0: Marathon Swim Stories. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, wife, mom, and coach at Intrepid Water. In this episode, I talk to Katie Blair shortly after returning home to Indiana from her 29 hour and 10 minutes in the St. Lucia Channel, swimming from St. Lucia to Martinique and back, almost. Her longest stint in the water, she faced jellyfish stings and salt tongue. And initially she felt okay with her accomplishment. But two weeks later, she's wondering if she could have made it. Adventure addict and author of Lessons from the Water, Katie says the book was a pandemic project. And only after the press run, she realizing how much she's put herself out there. I felt like a kid in a candy store talking to the great Katie Blair, whom I first heard of from a Phil White email the woman who planned to swim across Lake Memphremagog and run back to Newport, this was a person I wanted to meet. And today I did. I hope you enjoy this episode. <music> Tell us your story. Tell us
1: your marathon swim story. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, my swim story really started when well I was at College stayed in grad school in 2008. Um, I saw a fly in one of the restrooms for um, a 10K swim, the Horse Tooth 10K. And I had been kind of retired from swimming and retired from triathlon and um, knew I didn't want to run again ever in my life. So <laughs> that seemed like something that, you know, would have been a good adventure. And so eventually I signed up and I met Joe Bakel, who organizes the Horse Tooth 10K. And who at the time was um, organizing a small group of crazy people that went swimming in this dark, cold mountain lake um, every morning at four to train for the English Channel. And so eventually, you know, I just kind of became part of that training group. And um, all of a sudden the English Channel became a big dream. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow. I'm curious. I um, grew up
0: outside of Denver. And so I'm just curious, what mountain lake were you at around Colorado? Um, we we're in Lake Loveland, which I'm not sure how officially we're supposed to be there. Oh, okay. I didn't, there's, I'll edit that out. Well, I probably won't, but. <laughs> okay, so mountain, secret mountain lake. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Um, So you were coming out of triathlon and you just thought it would be a new adventure. Is that what I, is that what I heard?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I swam all through middle school and high school and then around age 16, 17, got into triathlon and did some Ironman stuff for a few years and um, probably did some of those really long things a little bit too young. And so I burned out pretty early on because I was doing Hawaii and my, early 20s, like age group eighteen twenty four, and And after that, I was pretty burned out. And running was never really my thing anyway. Yeah,
0: I tried running for a while. It didn't stick for me either.
1: No, gravity hurts.
0: <laughs> it does. I know. It's way better in the water. <laughs> I agree. Um,
1: tell me, why do you keep swimming marathons? Because I know you've done more than just that 10k. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, eventually um, the English Channel became a goal and I heard about the Triple Crown of Open Water Swimming. And so that the strategy was going to be to do uh, the swim around Manhattan Island and then Catalina and then work my way up to the English Channel. So um, I did that between 2010 and 2012. And then I was kind of sort of going to retire. But then in 2013, I did like a little bit of everything. I, I relapsed and did an Ironman distance and it was terrible. And so I decided I need to find some more swimming goals. And I ended up signing up for Molokai. Um, So swim the Kaibi Channel, which was super fun and finally a little bit warmer because cold is not really my thing. Um, But over the years, you know, just kind of um, pretty much tackled all of the major ones in the U.S. Um, At some point, I was thinking about the Ocean 7. I tried the North Channel from Ireland to Scotland in 2014. Didn't make it. I made it for about eight hours. And then I got really bad hypothermia. It's just... Uh, probably not something that I can ever do because I gained as much weight as I could and did all the ice baths and had an endless pool that I kept really cold but it it still wasn't going to happen so now I'm kind of really sold on the idea if I'm swimming somewhere really far there's better going to be a palm tree involved and you know some sort of a warm beach and so hence I'm now doing some of the more tropical things.
0: Yeah yeah tell us about your most recent adventure.
1: (laughs) Yeah um well, you probably remember last year when uh, Cameron Bellamy swam from Barbados to St. Lucia and I was just glued to my computer screen. Last fall, it was just crazy between Sarah and her, and her. I cannot even comprehend what happened there, but between her four times English Channel and then Cameron doing that monster swim, yeah. I was just kind of sitting at home. I'm like, I wonder if I could just swim 24 hours. I mean, let alone, you know, those crazy distances. But right. yeah. um, the 24 hours were always kind of like in my mind. Like, I just wonder what it would be like. And so I ended up contacting uh, Sue Dyson from uh, St. Gusha Channel Swing. And um, originally I was inquiring about a swim around the island. And so she's like, well, that's 77 miles. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's pretty far. (laughs) Um, So, you know, the idea was the longest I'd ever done was Kaibi with 26 miles. And so finding something in between to see how I can even how I would hold up if I swim for 24 hours in one piece. And so she came up with the idea of trying the uh, double St. Lucia channel. So from St. Lucia to Martinique and back. And so that's what we attempted. Very cool. What was um, any,
0: What was your best memory from that journey?
1: <laughs> oh, it was such a great adventure. It's still so fresh too, because I've only been home for about a week now and I'm still really missing the island. It was just amazing. Um, everything. I, I mean, just from like heading out at night, like just the the stars in the sky were unlike anything I'd ever seen. It almost looked like it was fake. It was just such an amazing light that night. And um I actually, you know, I had the little blinking light on the back of my my swim cap. And but every once in a while I just had to flip over and swim some backstrokes. I'm like, I'm missing this view and I can't. And I guess they got really worried because they couldn't see me here and there for a little bit when I did that. Um, but that was just amazing. Um, the swim from Saint to martinique went pretty fast and relatively easy. I mean, it was warm, it was beautiful. Um, the sun is pretty intense, so we just kind of put all kinds of, you know, diaper cream on and zinc stuff. And um, when we got to Martinique, it was really neat, about maybe an hour out from shore. I just heard somebody screaming my name and I, I looked up and there was this little boat with, um, Christophe Malot who's a 12 year old, well now he's 13, um, boy from Martinique and a couple days prior to my swim, he had swam from, uh, St. Lucia to Martinique at age 12, a day wow. before his birthday. Oh my um, goodness. so yeah, there's this little boy sitting on the boat and he's just beaming and screaming and, um, they actually followed me all the way to the shore and we were able to meet when I was, uh, touching, you know, touching the land there and we took some pictures and he's about four feet tall and he has a one foot wide smile and he was just so excited bouncing up and down. That was just great. And he speaks French and I I speak German and English. So we didn't really, you know, (laughs) really talk, but we totally got it. We're just like beaming and smiling and just happy to be there. It was a pretty neat moment.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So did you hit your 24 hour goal?
1: Yeah. So on the way back, um, I kind of, and I, I was thinking about this actually today, So what happened is we, um, on the way back, got way out west somewhere in the middle of the night. Of course, I'm completely unaware of this. I'm just kind of swimming. And um, I was really, because it took me about 12 and a half hours to get to Martinique. And so in my mind, you know, you're kind of calculating, like, okay, probably 15, 16 hours for the way back. I'll probably lose a little bit. But, you know, the night came and I was really dead set on the idea. If we just make it through the night, we're going to be at shore that, that's that got to be it and then the sunrise came and we're still not there and um there were several stops from like how far out are we and the answer I kept getting which you probably shouldn't even ask the question but the answer I kept getting was five miles <laughs> and at that point I had a lot of tongue swelling going on which I'm thinking is partially from the salt water I also got stung quite a bit but by minor jelly so I'm not sure if how much of that was allergic but I had some pretty big difficulty swallowing so that was getting a little bit scary as I'm trying to talk to my crew and I can't really say anything and <sighs> so um, at some point at 6 30 in the morning you know we made that decision I, I talked to Susan a little bit longer and she's like well you, you know you're about five six miles out now so it, it was actually pushing me further away and my son was on the boat she was 15 he had a really good time but it, you know you can kind of tell like the crew gets quiet and everybody's starting to look a little scared as I'm trying to talk and I can't um, so we decided to call it which you know initially I was fine when, like because we swam 29 hours and 10 minutes and I like, covered 41 miles a lot of it just going in one place but um I was pretty excited to put that distance in at first and now two weeks later I'm like oh, we could have you know we almost made it and so it stings a little bit more now which is interesting but I think what got me was the expectation like I was dead set like this is going to take no longer than 30 hours and um, I was dead set. Once we make it through the night, we're going to be there. And when we weren't, I think I mentally kind of started falling apart a little bit too. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's tough. Yeah, Then when we yeah those expectations. I think that's like that's like a gift that some of these marathon swimmers like really have for just kind of letting it go and, and yeah, well, we're still working on it. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs>
1: it we're still fun. working on
0: it. Yeah, yeah. How did you train over the um, pandemic and everything? How did you train for such a big swim?
1: Um it was chaotic Supposed originally this film was supposed to happen in June. And then, you know, everything shut down and my, my local pool closed sometime in March. And that was a pretty big hit. I mean, yeah. I think for all of us, I'm like, what do you mean the pool was closed and it wasn't warm enough outside to, to do anything yet. It was still semi-frozen. Um, so I, I used my pool courts until they eventually broke. And then I was ordering new ones on Amazon that <laughs> were kind of hard to come by and um, did a lot of, uh, kickboxing like those little fitness videos and I'm not really you know coordinated so hit myself in the face quite often trying to figure out how to do all that but um yeah just kind of doing stuff around the house I even ran a little bit in my despair um (laughs) and then I think it was around April May when it finally got warm enough outside and I have a pond behind my house so I was able to swim there and then the pool opened back up um so gradually kind of got back into things wow
0: yeah that's a lot of Time in a pond or a pool, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, the pond is only about two hundred fifty yards long, and I'm the only person who swims. It belongs to our neighborhood, and it's it's pretty murky and suspicious looking.
0: <laughs> very it
1: very has catfish in it, but I'm like, it's it's water. It counts. I can I can make this work. I love that.
0: I love that. I love that part of your book too. um I uh, tell us a little bit about your book since I brought it up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so you know, one of those things that you can finally finish when you're dealing with lockdown and pandemics. Um, the book was a project that I kinda had on my mind for some time. I just really enjoy writing and I, I had some pretty good adventures along the way. I'm I'm not super fast and I'm, you know, not breaking any crazy records or anything, but um just met amazing people over the years and been to so many different spots just traveling with the sport. So felt like, you know, maybe somebody's gonna get a, a kick out of you reading some of these stories and so forth. Finally got to it and finished it, and um talks really not so much only about swimming, more kind of like my life story and how I ended up in all the different places, doing all the different things that I've done over time, so hopefully there's some life lessons in there that are helpful to somebody else, yeah,
0: yeah, I think it it's fantastic, and i love i guess I love how you um grouped it up by the adventures, just and I don't know just the way you said it too now, it's like marathon swimming is so amazing in that regard that like this like signing up for this adventure just can take you to this place and you know and there's the you know there's the adventure aspect of it but then we all learned something from it and it, it was just it was beautiful I'm really excited that you you had the courage to put it out there and commend you and um, I hope everybody picks up a copy.
1: <laughs> you know it was kind of scary like I didn't really like I just wrote it and then went through with it and then after I, it published I realized like this is pretty much my whole life story that everybody can read now. I don't know why it didn't occur to me a little bit sooner but it definitely feels a little vulnerable here and there. <laughs>
0: yeah Yep. Yeah. but um, what's that saying? There's a Theodore Roosevelt quote about putting yourself in the ring. It's uh, it's um, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> you're um yeah, it's it's awesome. I love it. Thank you. you. Tell us about the swim you're the most proud of. The swim
1: that I'm most proud of, um, it's probably going to be this this swim. I'm kind of thinking about the English Channel. Is just I mean that's the classic. Um, but the moment I finished, um, I think I read this about Sarah somewhere that she immediately thought about wanting to swim back and be back and do more. The, the moment I finished the English Channel, like, I will never, ever be back in Dover. It was great. I'm so glad it's on the list of things that I've got done. But, um, you know, with my hatred for cold. So that was a big one that I even I even made it, I think. Um, Hawaii was actually a really hard one for me for a lot of different reasons from seasickness to again expectations because I thought it was going to be a shorter swim than it ended up being and (laughs) uh, that did me in a little bit um but then this one was probably probably the best sports performance I think from even though it was it did not finish so it kind of has a little bit of a bitter aftertaste but I feel pretty encouraged that I was able to swim for that long so I kind of want to push that further now I don't know how that's going to end but um i'm pretty encouraged that I'm, I'm able to swim 29 hours in one piece it was pretty for me that was a pretty big accomplishment
0: yeah do you prefer salt or fresh water
1: you know <laughs> like the salt water was really nice in st lucia it's actually extremely salty so you can um you can go out and you can float on your back and just tan a little bit if you like <laughs> um so it really helps with swimming i mean it really um makes your swimming a lot easier but then the problem becomes just kind of mouth tongue issues and, and just the abrasiveness of the water over the hours so I don't know how we're gonna get that under control and I think for for Cameron, from what I've been hearing um that was a pretty big issue for him too and so I'm a little worried how we're gonna tackle that next time I think that's probably just kind of what it is if you're on salt water for that long
0: mm-hmm. so that's one
1: of the drawbacks but I still like salt water a little bit better
0: yeah that right? okay <laughs> <clears throat> Have you had any, um, do you have any favorite events, marathon swim events you've participated in?
1: Um, Probably um, Search of memory <laughs> up in Ramon. I mean, Phil White is just phen- a phenomenal host and it's just a phenomenal event. And I just loved it up there. That was probably one of my favorite, like, organized, you know, events that mm-hmm. I participated in.
0: Yeah, Phil, he was, I lived next door to him for a while when I lived in Northern Vermont. Yeah, Phil's a character. Before, kind of before, (laughs) before, um, well, I guess I kind of, as I was growing into open water swimming and before he launched Kingdom Games, and and it was a long time ago, like 2009. But um, yeah, Phil's great. (laughs) He's doing some pretty amazing things up there, despite the community not being as, much swimmers as he is for I don't know he's so great just about bringing swimmers there it's awesome yeah I don't
1: even know how he got into all of this and how he became this enthusiastic about it but he's definitely had an impact on our sport
0: yeah for sure yeah he told me once he's like he said that I can't remember he said something like he's like I have great endurance for sitting on a boat (laughs) so so he bridged that into it's like these people have great endurance for swimming I have great endurance for sitting on a boat
1: you might have forgot a plan you know sometimes
0: I envy the people on the boat. I well like you were, when you were talking about the stars you know in St. Lucia I always think like the people on the boat they got yeah they got the best view <laughs> like I mean they the yeah. water when it's dark or murky, we can't see anything <laughs> people on the
1: boat get to watch the stars move over the sun come up all that stuff storms rolling you know, interesting thing was I came back on the boat and I had obviously missed the last 30 hours and everybody had bonded and they had little stories about what happened. I'm like, I'm totally out of the loop here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I kind of envy the people on the boat sometimes, (laughs) but I really like being the swimmer too. (laughs) Um, how about the, when conditions get tough, the tide changes, how do you get through some of those tough conditions?
1: Um, I guess it depends on what you mean by tough. I mean, a lot of the tight things, you know, like what happened here in St. with the occur and like I'm completely unaware of. Um, yeah. I think asking for distance while you're out there is probably generally a really bad idea and I'm kind of prone to doing that. I need to break that habit. Um, for me, one of the toughest things is probably cold and it might have to do with a bad experience I had in Ireland. Um, but that's something where I am mentally just ever since then get really aggravated. I, I did Lake Erie um, in 2019. Yeah, 19. Um, and it was just a little bit cold here and there in spots, but I immediately start complaining and whining. And so that's difficult for me. Like cold is hard, but um, most other things, you know, I'm kind of trying to, I do a little bit of meditating on the side. And so I try to relax into it a little bit. So kind of like being accepting of the situation, I feel like if I get more upset about it and because it, there's nothing I can do and the more I fight it and the more I work myself up, then it's, it's really starting to compromise my performance.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think how to get more into that. Like when you think about like a newer swimmer, like in, you know, how to like, how would you coach a new aspirant marathon swimmer into, you know, just being that, uh, you know, adaptable, you know, working through those hard
1: spots? <laughs> huh. I think a lot of it for me, honestly, because I'm 41 now, and I've been in endurance sports in some capacity for a really long time. Yeah. And so some of it is kind of just experience over time, yeah. um, knowing that those tough spots are passing. And so maybe, you know, just kind of teaching the athlete. you know, you're going to have some rough spots out there, it's pretty normal to have, those moments where you like, I cannot possibly make it to the next feed and all of a sudden you feel like you're on top of the world again and it just kind of goes back and forth constantly. Um so I think, you know, as the athlete gets to know him or herself better while they're out there, I think that really helps them develop that skill. But um people always want like a, a thing that fixes everything quickly. Yeah. yeah. And I always tell, you know, if I work with anybody like coaching wise, I always tell them consistency is probably the one thing that gets you there over time you know that's mm-hmm. consistency in training consistency and in, in, you know pursuing different challenges over time and um so some of those skills they just as you physically learn how to you know deal with the different challenges in the water it's the same thing i think mentally and psychologically mm-hmm. yeah i think there's different you know people too are kind of tuned
0: to are like inclined to endurance sports versus not, you know. So like to some degree, I think it's like a person who's inclined to an endurance sport can kind of you know like work into what they need to do. Whereas <laughs> then some people just they're just not they're never gonna do endurance sports. And that's and that's cool. <clears throat> um has your swimming technique evolved or changed over time?
1: <laughs> not nearly as much as it probably showed <laughs> um well, my, my high school coach when I was 15 was, you know, each practice was like, okay, can you breathe every third stroke? Can we do bilateral breathing? And I still heavily favor the right side. Um, I can't breathe to my left. I just really don't want to. Um, so that kind of makes my stroke a little bit imbalanced. I would say it's probably pretty crude. I, I mean, when I see pool swimmers on, on TV, I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know how I, how I stay afloat, but it works for my body. And I think I've become fairly efficient in my stroke technique but it's open water swimming in some ways is probably pretty different from pool swimming though because you got got to be adaptable and find something that works for your body type that just Mm -hmm. preserves your energy and keeps you going um but i think there would probably be a lot of room for improvement still which by now i'm just so stuck in what i've been doing for years and years it would be hard to make changes
0: yeah yeah have you um being a person that favors a certain side for breathing have you had like shoulder problems or like any other because i
1: kind of feel like that like you would get this imbalance in your stroke because that caused any problems for you yeah i've had like problems with my left shoulder on and off over the years and then um got a little bit more serious last year and i really started worrying about it so i been pushing bilateral breathing in, in practice, but still for for racing, I just don't find that same rhythm and flow that I have if I only breathe to my favorite side. Um, what was really encouraging in St. Lucia, I'd make some changes to my stroke technique so that I used to, you know, kind of glide all the way forward and then start pulling. Now I'm starting to kind of work on my high elbow a little bit as I sort of, I use my, my back muscles a little bit more and get some of that strain off the shoulder. And to my great surprise, shoulder pain wasn't one of the issues I had in St. Lucia. So that was really exciting. Yeah, um, that, I that would be a limiting factor, you know, that 20 hours in my, my shoulders would probably give out with my, my stroke technique, but definitely work with just adjusting things a little bit helped a lot. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I think, underestimated how much
0: you really have to swim with your back. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> like the shoulders, well, you, the shoulders are obviously doing the rotation, but it's your back, that's, that's the big musculature that we want to lean on. <clears throat> um what's been what was the worst part of the pandemic
1: for you when the swimming pool closed that was that was just it (laughs) um you know also there was a lot of things going on in my private life like I was going through a divorce at the same time I'm like this is quite possibly the worst combination of things happening in my personal life and in the world so it's just you know like swimming for me is something even if bad things happen in my life I have my pool to go to and somehow, you know, even if it's a really rough day after an hour of swim practice, I feel a little bit better. Like it kind of stabilizes me and helps me cope. And so having that gone at the same time was a really rough combination for me. And it being too cold outside to swim outside. So just, I actually bought, (laughs) this was a failed uh, physics experiment, but I bought one of those inflatable pools at our local Walmart and, you know, just put a bunch of water in my garage. My, I can tether myself to one of the garage shelves and somehow like swim in place. What I didn't consider was that I couldn't warm that water up quite enough. So I was like sitting at 42 degrees and I tried all kinds of things to get my garage to heat up. That didn't work really well. It just takes a lot of heat to warm up several thousand gallons of water. turns out. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <And> desperate times. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if
0: you've already said that you uh, don't do cold water. <laughs>
1: you <cold> no, <laughs> no. it, it was, yeah, it wasn't working. So I, I really had to wait like almost four weeks until I could swim at all, even just a little bit wow
0: yeah so that kind of speaks to hard a hard hard situation how do you get through hard situations
1: well I'd like to say that you know I somehow gloriously coped but there were some days when I was just sitting on my couch and I you know probably coped in all the wrong ways and kind of had to like you know reevaluate what I was doing that a little bit of a pity party for a few weeks but um you know eventually when the pool opened I of get back to my life and work helped a lot you know like we were i'm a mental health counselor and we were able to work remotely from home so the fact that that was still there was really helpful yeah
0: yeah um being a mom i'm a mom too i have two little my guys are four and almost six um how do you do it how do you do both (laughs) being mom and be a super marathon summer all these years
1: (laughs) um you know, you just do it, I guess, like, never really, um, I guess I never really thought that I couldn't do it because I was a mom. Um, When I started swimming again, back in grad school, my son was a couple years old. He's born 2004. So he was about five or six. And so, you know, I'd find gyms that had the the daycare where you can put your son in daycare for two hours and then maximize that time in the pool. Um, It was a little bit harder when he was younger. He's obviously turned 16 this Monday. So, um, this was the first time in St. Lucia he was on the boat which was super exciting for me because I always had a little bit of guilt I'd go somewhere and he couldn't come with and or he wasn't allowed on the boat and so th- this was pretty neat but um, yeah it's usually my training is kind of imperfect you know like there's things that come up with school there's things that come up with work or so then you know you want to do all these maybe you want to do an eight-hour training swim but now it's four hours because somebody had a birthday party or so it's, it's you yeah. got to be kind of flexible and sometimes you know I I get to my swimming events I'm like oh I could have trained so much more like all of these things didn't go the way I wanted them to and then it's just okay let's just try anyway yeah yeah that's well put that's (laughs) like how you said that I never
0: thought I couldn't because that's (laughs) that's been a big part of it for me too I think it was the year before well uh, like when I very first started swimming marathons it was like I was pregnant a few times didn't work out and then but but I was swimming while marathons while I was pregnant and it was yeah you just like this is what I'm doing this is it this is my thing like I don't know you can't it's not doesn't matter it's just there's a lot of marathon swimmers out there that don't have kids I just
1: (laughs) I think they're missing out (laughs) you know I think my my son like he's kind of watched my swimming and he must have been maybe eight or nine when he said this to me. I was like, Mom, when I'm big, I want to have something like your swimming, like something that's my thing, because that's that's so neat that you have that. And, you know, I introduced him to swimming. He didn't like it. He thought the water was too cold. Yeah. Um, he's six foot four. He was introduced to basketball. Didn't like that. Anyhow, eventually he got into singing. Now he does show choir, and he's very musically talented and inclined. And so um, I think he saw that work ethic and having that passion for something, and he's doing that in his own life now with something different. So I was kind of neat to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. I can only hope yeah, my kids can find some passion, really. That's all we need. Right. <laughs> what, um, what advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer?
1: Um, Start slow. You know, I mean, um, I remember when I went to that first horse tooth 10K swim, 10K seemed pretty overwhelming. I think my longest swim practice, you know, might've been five or 6K, maybe an occasional 8K, but intervals and not in one piece. And so I had a really hard time wrapping my mind even around 10 kilometers and you know then at the pasta party there there were some people that done the english channel and i was just really intimidated and finally worked up the courage to ask joe if he was really training for the english channel and you know if i could maybe join that training group and um so it all seemed like completely unattainable first it was cold water and then it, the distances seemed completely crazy but I think everything kind of happens very gradual, you know, like people don't just show up and swim the English channel one day. They've probably done a lot of other. So I would say, you know, pick small personal goals and just kind of don't worry about what anybody else is doing and just go after a personal improvement. If you've never swam a mile in one piece and that's a good first goal to have. And so then kind of working towards that and just focusing on your personal improvement. I think that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's good
0: advice for most everything I think <laughs> start small work your way up um I want to hear more stories of your swims I usually would that what's my second to last question and my last one is usually you know what marathon swimmers have inspired you but I want to hear more stories about your swimming what other memories do you have that you could tell us from your
1: big swims <laughs> oh, so many um <clears throat> Well, the the hardest experience that I had was probably Ireland, you know, um, so that one kind of stands out in my mind as unfinished business, but I'm not going back. Um,
0: (laughs) It's good to know when not to go and when to go,
1: (laughs) you know, it was an unusually warm year. It was 59, which is warm for the North channel. And I put on 40 pounds, which I think I was eating Cheetos 24, seven and drinking milkshakes. It was awful. Um, (laughs) You know, even with all that, it didn't work, but it, it was kind of a neat experience. It's just such a different ocean from some of the other ones. They have those huge orange lion mean jellyfish, um, really liked Ireland. So um, that one's kind of special to me, even though it was a failed attempt. Um, I'm trying to think like Hawaii is, is special to me. It was special for a long time, even in the 90s, when I was trying to qualify for the Open in Hawaii, it was always like, you got to make it to a big island. And then coming back in, in 2013, this swim from Molokai um, to Oahu was just fantastic. Um, like at night, this was actually the same in, in St. Lucia. It must be some type of plankton, but as you're pulling through the water, you see these little gold specks, and it's just... It's like, it feels like you're swimming in of space somewhere, like weightless and cause you can't really quite see where the, the ocean ends and where the, the sky begins. And so those are just completely surreal moments. Um, and I always feel like, you know, sunrise, if you're out in the open and there's nothing but water in every single direction, there's just such a relief in having that light back and mm-hmm. you can see the boat again and what people are doing. And it, it's just really intense. I think we don't really experience you know something as trivial as a sunrise in that intensity in everyday life so i had some pretty good moments on the water over the years yeah
0: yeah it kind of took my breath away when you said that thinking about the sunrise on the water because it is that yeah, there is something and get it like you said getting the light back <laughs> like it's it's so important <laughs> when you've been swimming in the dark all night long but that, that's really cool you got to experience the bioluminescence in saint lucia too that's really cool
1: that's what you call it. That's, that's yeah. a it does for
0: it. Yeah, I haven't, um, I've heard, I guess, people in Catalina, I don't know, a lot, lots of places that I need to maybe make it up to the ocean so I can you know, swim in the bioluminescence. <clears throat> uh, let's see, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, I'm
1: a complete introvert, which is interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm not shy. It doesn't really bother me to talk to people. And I kind of sort of talk to people for a living, um, But yeah, I'm I'm just completely introverted. I, you know, think about things all the time. And so even when I'm in the water, people are like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, it's everything and anything. I might be wondering about stuff that's going on around me, or I might be, you know, singing a song. I've spent a couple of hours, I think, humming in St. Lucia, which I found really entertaining. (laughs) So I really have a way of just kind of like being entertained by little things. So it doesn't bother me to not have a lot of stimulation. And that's kind of how I mentally recover a little bit, too. Um, so I, I think my guess is that some of the, the endurance athletes that are doing the really long distances, they're probably pretty introverted people to be able to deal with some other sensory deprivation that we we're dealing with out there. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um Tell us a little bit about
0: your transition to becoming an American or like to coming to America. I mean, you've had a you obviously you well, know, like from your accent, you're not American. It's in your book too, but tell us a little bit of what that's like and been
1: like. Um, overwhelming. You know, I came here in 2003 in um to Colorado Springs, which um I had a lot of ideas about what it was going to be like, like, you know, one of the big misconceptions about America that I had in my mind was like, you didn't need to have an education. You could just show up and get a big job. And cause you know, there's opportunities everywhere. And then as I'm like, you know, looking for, for work in, in the States and I hadn't gone back to school yet, I pretty quickly realized I probably got to acquire some sort of a skill set <laughs> to be in a little bit of a better position. So those were just kind of some little learning points. Um, Culture there's just odd little things that that happen to you like um in Germany if somebody asks you how you're doing then it's it's not a greeting it's like an actual question so then you'd be like oh my god I'm terrible my cat died last Monday or you know like everything kind of comes out and so you know it happened to me here a couple of times in the beginning people would ask me that and I started talking and then I realized that's that's not what they're (laughs) looking for
0: so just like you (laughs) know what's that (laughs) you're supposed to say fine whether you are or not (laughs) it's an unfortunate unfortunate part of our of our of our culture yeah i think there's still some
1: little things americans are more outgoing and um thought it was terribly creepy that random people would say hi to you and you'd walk into a pool and i didn't know these people it's just not something that we do i'm like did i miss something (laughs) but so just you know takes a little bit of adjusting um i've been here 17 years now but it's it's interesting because when I go home to Germany now, I kind of don't feel completely German anymore because I'm so used to some of the, you know, things in the States and I get my life here now. But at the same time, I'm still, like, when I talk about Germany, I still say home half of the time, even though I do live here now. So it's kind of confusing a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have you ever, have you found any other ex expatriates to get together with or anything?
1: Like any other? You know, I'm in rural Indiana. and I'm pretty sure I'm the only German here. <laughs> They have online groups, I'm sure. (laughs) That would probably be something to look into. Yeah, But I saw a lot of friends at home, you know, from high school and relatives. And so um, the internet and now having, you know, video calls, all of that, that kind of all the last 10, 15 years, that's really helped.
0: Yeah, I guess I just, I mean, not having really thought about living, (laughs) moving abroad, but it like, I can see how having that feeling, you know, of, yeah that's not your home now but this isn't really your home either but that seems like that expat community maybe can, if you could find
1: a german expat community that they they could feel be feeling the same way too i don't know (laughs) for me like the the sports community and the swimming has almost been that that kind of consistent piece that i've done that back home i've done that here like wherever i go i can usually find a pool and i can find a few people that are interested in swimming and so that's been kind of really grounding having that i can feel like I can go to St. Lucia and I can find some people to swim with and and somehow feel like, okay, we got this situated. So that's been super helpful for me over the years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. I'm thinking how like I've I've always kind of gravitated to rural towns too since living in northern Vermont next to Phil. <laughs> and um but yeah I don't but I've always worked online. So I don't I'm ever not ever actually like super involved in the community, but the, but it's the you know but that's where I Fine, yeah. The marathon swimming community is like, like those are my people. And those who are people I want to be with and travel to be with, and that um, you connect with really easily, you know, versus the awkward street conversations about the politics, about what's going on, or whatever. So, yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting parallel. Um, what do you think? Um, so, I, first, let's say, tell us about your next big swim that you're planning first.
1: <laughs> You're gonna think I'm crazy. I think I'm crazy, but um, I, I still really want to get around that island in St. Lucia, and so I, I have no idea if I'm gonna make it. it. It seems like a ridiculously large undertaking. I'm, I'm obviously not very fast either. I mean, if I my son noted, if mom, if you would just swim twice as fast, it would take us half the time. I think <laughs> great advice, but I guess we're just gonna to have to wait it out. Um, so for 77 miles, I'm kind of thinking I might be looking at 50 60 hours realistically because I'm just not super fast. Um, and I think just from looking, that seems to be kind of the limit of what people can swim in one piece. So I, I don't know how well that's going to go. Um, one thing I asked Evan about is like, what happens if I try the circuit navigation and I run out of battery and, you know, 50 miles in we're we're done does that count as a swim and he, he told me that that would be a coastal swim then so I'm like well at least we can lock the distance still but I mean the plan is to get around the island but I just don't know what to expect and I'm not sure how much more I can train because I pretty much maxed that for for this swim so it's going to look really really similar maybe a couple more you know maybe a 24-hour swim here or there for, for practice but um it'll it'll be interesting I, I just I'm just hooked on the adventure I really like being out there not knowing if I'm going to make it or not I feel like you know signing up for another channel that's about 20 miles my I kind of know I can do that and I've done that a bunch and so let's do something that really scares the daylights out of us and just you know go for the adventure and if it works out that's great and if not I'm going to be a little bit bummed but I'll probably be able to handle it but um, yeah so that's the that's the plan at least I love that. I love your, your, yeah. I love
0: your spirit of adventure. That's awesome. And the, you know, and to sign up for something that you don't know, you don't know if you like it or not.
1: It's, it takes a lot of guts. That's awesome. <laughs> do you think you'll get stay- some sure judgment? I go back and forth. I'm like, well. <laughs> we'll yeah. See. Yeah. no. Yep. Um, do you think you'll stay in rural Indiana? Um, I am really, really wanting to kind of get towards the coast somewhere. Um, somewhere warmer somewhere with an ocean that's that's a long-term strategy my son has two years of high school left here so more than likely we'll probably kind of you know make it through those two years but um Florida has been kind of what I've been having my eye on yeah warm water water <laughs>
0: yeah that's good um well tell us uh tell us what marathon swimmers have inspired you you've alluded to some I'm sure but who else
1: Well, you know, there's obviously the gods and goddesses of our universe. I mean, Sarah is just, and I actually know Sarah from back in Colorado, and she was at the same Yeah. Um, Long before she did the super crazy things, but she was always exceptionally hard-headed. But what she did there last year that just, especially after, you know, the the press cans and everything she'd been through, it just blew my mind. It was just unbelievable. I think we're all just floored. Mm -hmm. Um, But I heard her say that she's going to, try to do a four times English channel I'm like I'm not sure if that's possible like three you can probably do I don't know if any human can do four and then it just kind of happened it was just crazy to watch um I still get like all excited just thinking about it that was amazing yeah, um, yeah. and then 104 miles was equally amazing Cameron Bellamy is like another one where I'm just I mean just to be in that ocean for you know close to 60 hours like oh my goodness um So those are probably some people that I find really inspiring. Jamie, of course, you know, just swims around New York four four times real real quick after the pandemic. Like, it's no big deal. Um, Sometimes I'm just really amazed what, you know, like you just, I go on social media and I see that somebody's done something that's just completely mind-blowing. Like, it's no big deal. There's definitely a lot of inspiring people in the community.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Very good. I, um, I don't have any more questions. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You're very welcome. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual efficient swimming basics program at intrepidwater.com. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.